uh, you know, spider bros are spider bros, but not when I'm trying to dry off, homie. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. You are just such a sweetheart. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, total joke, waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. My name is Chris, and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy Mac. Hola, muchachos. The Gore Lover Alexis. Hey, everyone. The Cowardly Creeper Ryan. Hiya. And the Scream Queen Paris. Hey, sweets. Before we get into our episode of the week, we do have a bit of follow-up from our previous episodes. My dear friends, I I did start the 80s slasher challenge. (laughs) Now, I visited my girlfriend for Valentine's Day, and as it turns out, I had several hours to kill at an airport, which is probably the most unfortunate thing about that trip. Um, But I did start with the 1989 film Houseboat Horror, which was recommended to us by Damien. So specifically, Damien said, give that a watch if you like that. I don't know what to do with you. Even the most lenient slasher fanatic cannot approve of such shenanigans. It is my vote for the worst all-time slasher flick. He also has my vote for a good tweet because I love the use of the word shenanigans there. Was it shenaniganious? Basically. Now, I will say this movie houseboat horror from 1989 a good year by the way same year i was born it's goofy it's a ripoff think like the burning meets friday the 13th meets wolf creek meets insert random 90s after school special (laughs) here (laughs) it's an australian made for tv flick and that is super apparent from its earliest moments but somehow it's oddly charming and i actually liked it it feels super weird But I did like it, so I think so far I'm winning on this challenge. (laughs) Wait a minute. You liked this movie that he just said he wouldn't know what to do with you if you liked it, and it's his worst all time? (laughs) Damien, I have a lot of respect for you, but I think you don't know what to do with me now. Because, look, it's not the worst (laughs) thing I've ever seen. It was somehow, like, I think where it is for me is the characters were goofy, but somehow charming and likable. Maybe it was just the Australian accent. I don't know. But I've seen far worse movies. Like, Thanksgiving was worse than this movie. And to me, this movie is definitely not in Thanksgiving territory. The the plot twist here is you have mad respect for Damien, and Damien no longer respects you <laughs> after this. You know what? And this is, this is just where we are, and I can accept that. Can we just get Chris cast as a victim in Haunt 2, please? Yes, Hantu Electric Boogaloo. Mess me up, man. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now, we also received an email from one of our listeners, Shara. She said, you asked for a slasher movie you would not like. Try A Night to Dismember. Like, kind of like A Night to Remember. Uh, it Ooh. is absolutely horrible. If you can find it, watch, and you will see what I'm talking about. It has missing pieces in it, and the effects are just plain horrible. I love your podcast, and I hope to start one up myself someday. I'm writing a book on a few movies comparing the original to the remake. I'm definitely going to add that to the list. Thank you so much for uh, for making that recommendation. And thank you for your kind words, madam. You are a saint and a scholar. I also just want to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our new followers on Twitter, Joey. He said, hats off to Hacker Slash. Great podcast with great discussions about horror movies. Highly recommended for horror buffs. We went on to ask him what his three favorite horror movies were. And he said, number one, Halloween. Chris, you're going to love that. Yeah, Joey's my kind of guy. I like it. (laughs) Number two, The Evil Dead. And number three, In the Mouth of Madness, which I actually haven't heard of. I haven't. I've heard of it. Haven't seen it. Maybe we should add it to the list. Thanks, Joey. Mm, Well, our goal is to review every horror movie out there. The good, the bad, the weird stuff in between. But that's neither here nor there because this week we're bringing you a sci-fi film. Now, specifically the first one we've done in a while, uh, this film drops you into a post-apocalyptic world in which a family is forced to live in silence, lest they be murdered by creatures with highly sensitive hearing. This week, we're talking about John Krasinski and Emily Blunt's 2018 film, A Quiet Place. Who had seen this movie before? Me. I saw this movie in theaters. It was an experience. I remember when it first came out, it was kind of a, a little bit of a cultural phenomenon. So it was kind of go to the theaters and see this movie as soon as you can. And that is what I did. I definitely saw this in theaters. Um, I feel like I saw it with Chris, but I might not have. <laughs> Wait, me or another Chris? Like Ryan's Chris? Because definitely not me. Oh, yeah. Ryan's Chris. <laughs> this is my way of dropping that bomb. <laughs> Chris, she's saying that your company is immemorable. (laughs) 
but yes i had seen this in theaters and honestly like when i was watching it again um earlier i was just like wow it doesn't feel like that long ago that it came out that's true i mean it's still it, it feels pretty recent and and i watched it in theaters as well as any good human would want to do you know whether or not you're able different story but what god just watching it in theater was like as you mentioned paris an experience i remember finishing the movie and thinking like they just made a perfect movie that was so much fun to watch Interesting. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a Despicable Me movie where they like don't say anything yet. It's a blockbuster. <laughs> I could go for a fully mute movie with Jim. Happy to hang out with Jim for a little while, do some sign language. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, have you seen this? Dude, plot twist. I saw this movie when it came out. Oh, wow. I know. I know. I think that's the third time I've used plot twist <laughs> since we started two minutes ago. But anyway, I did see this in theaters and Jim is my boy. I realize his name's not Jim, but um, (laughs) I would like to be the Pam to his Jim. Okay. I I enjoy him as a person, even though I know he's not the person that he is on the office. I can't separate the two. I just think he's a funny person. A show of hands of all the people on this podcast who think Jim is a daddy. Uh, I'm raising. Oh yes. (laughs) Both of my hands and both of my legs are in the air. I didn't say I was attracted to him. Mac, it's just you and me tonight, I guess. Yeah. Are we wait, are you are you talking about Jim from the office or are you talking about John John Krasinski? They're one and the same, honestly, at this point. They are the same, yeah. But are we talking about it's, clean face Jim or bearded John Krasinski? Bearded John Krasinski. I just want to clarify, I wasn't saying I'm attracted to him. Uh-huh. I, I like him as a person. Okay. Why are you guys so shallow? Ryan, are you saying that you're not attracted to him? Um, not really my type. Ugh. <sighs> So another plot twist, I had not seen this movie until like mid-2019. Did not go see it in theaters. So here's the problem, guys. I have been burned by expectations in the past. So this was a movie that did so well. I knew that I had to give it time, space, distance, and give it a shot uh, on, on my own merit as opposed to just listening to all the hype surrounding it. And, man, I'm so glad I did because I definitely felt like I got to take this as an experience for myself without just the influence of everybody else. Listen, Chris, I'm not going to say you made a mistake, but you definitely missed out on a very unique theater experience. Uh, It's one unlike any that I've ever had before because the way this movie uses the absence of sound, I mind you, I was in a theater that was fully packed, like every seat filled because it was like opening weekend when we saw it, but you could have heard a pin drop throughout 90% of this film. And the way that impact was felt in the theater anytime a sound was made was palpable so i did hear that several theaters were not stoked about this because their concession revenue plummeted because no one wanted to eat and like make noise during this movie is that is that accurate for you guys who makes that decision before they walk into a movie like this is going to be quiet i'm not going to get my nachos nobody literally no one if you get nachos you get nachos but you don't normally eat it i feel like i would have got popcorn Mm. or probably did and just not ate it oh i'm gonna eat it (laughs) i honestly remember buying candy and then actually being afraid to eat it because i didn't want to be that person making noise in like a life-threatening situation (laughs) the aliens are suddenly gonna hear you paris i gotta be more ballsy what was this experience like for you guys as you watched this movie it was like so suspenseful, this movie. Um, I think from, I really didn't know what it was going to be like when I first saw the trailer when it first came out. And um, it was definitely between like this parts where it's like super silent, where there's like nothing going on to like, there's a little bit of music. I was always like, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. Or I don't know, it always kept me like in tune, especially when it was super quiet. It was like eerily. You ever been in those rooms that's like completely like noise blocking or whatever those are scary you're like can't even hear like yourself like echo at all it's pretty Mm -hmm. scary but yeah no it had me on a ride the entire time for sure and it was really well paced so you literally just took the exact words out of my mouth sorry 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 i should have just said one thing literally (laughs) so suspenseful like i think that's the the overall feeling during this and i went in um I thought that the movie was about an entire, if I'm remembering correctly, originally I thought it was about an entirely deaf family. I used to babysit a little girl who was deaf and I knew like four words in sign language, no, probably more than that. But I thought it was all about that. And then, you know, it turns out to just be one of the characters, but it's just such a like cool thing that they did. Like you could definitely go into this movie and be afraid you're going to see an hour and a half long silent movie basically and be like wow that sucked but it's super suspenseful like that's really the only way i think you can describe it 
that is that, there's like no better way to say it honestly <laughs> <laughs> that's like how i mean i don't have any other thoughts about how it was like to watch it aside from i was on the edge of my seat the whole movie paris were you also in suspense <laughs> i actually wrote down that there was such tension in this movie which is just another way of saying suspense Ooh. they yep. really <laughs> use tension very well to create a visceral feeling for me as a watcher um, but also while watching this, I was also reminded of the movie Signs by M. Night Shyamalan, if you guys have seen that. Did anybody else oh, get that yeah. vibe? Yes, yep. for sure. Is that the one? Okay, bear no, with me for a second here. Is no. this is this Crop Circles? The one yes. that involved Crop Circles? Okay, okay, yeah. just making sure. And Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. And Classic. lots of water. <laughs> I forgot Joaquin Phoenix was in that. I actually did until I just said it. <laughs> Plot twist, it's not true. Swing away, okay? He says swing away <laughs> to Joaquin joking. Phoenix's character and he swings yeah, yeah, away. Yeah. It's like an isolated family living in a farmhouse, aliens come, and then they have to deal with it. And then without spoilers to the ending, there's sort of like a a little mm, sort of weakness that the aliens have that can seem kind of commonplace or obvious. So what you're saying now is that this movie is not original because we're all <laughs> telling the same story over no and over way. again. This is a better version of science. <laughs> I will say science had a great scene where they're just, you're just kind of like looking out a window and it doesn't seem like you're going to see anything. And then you see a shape uh, that was still start to move. And then you realize that you didn't know it was there the whole time. Oh yeah. I remember that. That gave me chills. Yeah. That's, it gives you that like, you know, hair standing up in the you know back of your neck kind of feeling. And that was like this movie a ton. I think a few episodes ago and by a few, I mean like maybe like 10 to 15, we're talking about uh, movies that worked better as other movie titles. And I think this movie would have worked really well to be called high tension. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was it was so interesting to me because I think what this movie does is it's it doesn't try to pretend to be anything but what it is. And there are some particularly tragic moments that happen that as you're paying attention to it the first and second time around, they're not trying to do anything but show you exactly what's about to happen. And it still just is so jarring. It is 100% emotionally taxing. It is an experience and and not one to watch if you're feeling like you're in a vulnerable place emotionally. I will say that what surprised me most was I, I love The Office and I know that John Krasinski is an incredible actor, but I did not expect to watch this movie and forget who he was. For him, he's kind of like a J-Lo for me. I can see him and I can acknowledge that he's acting in a different role, but I still see Jim. But this was a movie <laughs> where the shock and awe of all these moments just took me away completely from who the people were and just made me feel the the tension of family dynamics between them. And I haven't seen another movie like it in a really long time that could make me feel that way. Yeah, even comparing it to like the movie Hush kind of built that tension, but it definitely wasn't as much. I think that because that's more like I'm thinking this is crazy. It's a home invasion movie as yeah. opposed to like, you know, one of those senses kind of movies. Are we all just having our home invaded one way or another? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, true. Gosh, the patriarchy. I have a confession, you guys. I've never seen The Office. Mm. Ooh. So for me, this was John Krasinski's debut and he really <laughs> killed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. I mean, I don't know. We had to maybe rethink this relationship if you haven't seen The Office. My boyfriend's name is Dwight. I know that's a thing. I'm actually done here. See you guys some other time. <laughs> I'm canceled. <laughs> Fire it up, start streaming it, and just keep watching. Just, you know, get yourself like a 24-pack of cheap beer. I feel like I missed no, it. No, no, no. You'd... I feel like it's too late for me. No, no, there's no such thing. You yeah. can watch it anytime. It's better yeah. now, actually. But really? And just get through season one, and it gets so much better. Parks and Rec is better, in well, my opinion. True. Parks and Rec is it. better. I couldn't do it. I tried it. I didn't think it was funny. They're annoying. I've seen Parks and Rec and I liked it, so I'm going to skip The Office. Thanks, guys. No, <laughs> you can't. You can't skip it. You can't skip it. You have to earn Parks and Rec by watching The Office. Okay, all uh, all in favor of a motion to make Patreon content out of how Paris experiencing The Office? Say aye. <laughs> that sounds great. Aye. Yeah. What surprised you guys most about this movie? I think the the beginning. And I think that's like the easiest. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? This is surprising. The beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the entire movie. Well, I don't want to spoil it, yeah, but I mean. they came in they came in with the the quiet start, which I think is what you expect from this movie. Like I said, like you could totally go in thinking like you're gonna get a disappointingly silent film. Um so they they come in, you get to know the characters really, really fast, and then 
you know, you get to learn about their environment and what they're doing and all kinds of stuff. And then things happen and it like, it changes your whole perspective for the rest of the movie, right? Like you're not, you're not looking at it the same. And once you see that event happening, which we will spoil later, but (laughs) that's what I can say for now. I agree with you, Ryan. I feel like that first scene really set the tone and commanded attention from the audience. It was like, let's make a movie where we insist that everyone watching it shut the fuck up and pay attention. (laughs) And then when we have their attention, let's deliver something really solid. And that first scene is how they really establish like, Hey, pay attention because this shit's real and this shit's scary. And if you make one sound in this movie, you might happen. Like you might get killed too. No, what shocked (laughs) me is how invested and it goes along with Ryan said, it's just like, I feel like I'm like the first scene set you up that you're not, it's not okay. Let's tell you the beginning of this story on how this all happened, how they got into this post apocalyptic world. It's like, no, you're in the middle of it just like these people are so you really feel like you're with them you're you're seeing things as they're seeing it you're not like there's a little bit of foreshadowing in some scenes but you really feel like you're in their lives with them which i thought was really surprising and that they could do that with a very little amount of words I, i think what i found surprising yet delightful was the fact that this movie which seems to be you know okay it's a sci-fi setting and we're expecting like monsters or something to show up it's mostly about human struggle and a family overcoming all the crazy crap that keeps getting thrown their way. And you get to see them through blood, sweat, and tears, and all sorts of other bodily fluids just uh, make it through. You're welcome. Well, you're welcome for that mental image. But um, no, I mean, they they make it through some pretty crazy stuff, though. And it's really the movie is is just about them just continuing to, to strive and to move forward. And that you don't expect that going into like, okay, kind of horror, kind of sci-fi. We'll see what happens. You're you're like, oh, I'm going to see some monsters and they're going to fight them. But instead, it's like this is the human condition that also happens to be set in a world where monsters kill you if you make sound. You know, I heard a phrase recently that the only two certain things in this world are death and taxes. And I, I think what's interesting to me is that in this movie, no matter how crazy things go and that are that go, are going on, there are two things that are certain. One, you still have to learn math. We see a little bit of homeschooling in this movie. <laughs> and two, no matter what kind of chaos is going on, you cannot escape human emotion. You just can't. You just can't. And even in the craziness of the world, there can still be daddy issues. Uh, in the crazy of the world, there can still be sibling envy and, and rivalry, even when you don't want there to be. And it shows that like we're all just fallible creatures. Now, why did you look at me when you said daddy issues? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> we all <Still> did. Relatable. <laughs> but I think what this movie did best was scare me in a way that I haven't been scared in a long time because it wasn't the boogeyman scare as I say as I'm wearing a Michael Myers t-shirt uh it it wasn't the jump scare scare it was the holy shit how could you ever manage to make those kind of decisions when you have so many people counting on you kind of scare what did you guys take away from this Were, were you scared at all by this I was definitely scared uh a lot of it kind of felt like there were a lot of situations that seemed really hopeless and it was just like a, I'm scared because I don't see a way out of a situation like this for these characters. And then obviously some of the time they found a way out and they got creative, but a lot of it was very like, what if you were in this horrible situation and there was no way to avoid it? So there was a lot of fear generated for me from that kind of tone. Yeah, I can see that. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't say I was scared during this movie. I feel like stressed out. Is a better way to describe it. Like anxious and stressed is is definitely what I was feeling through this. Yeah, I definitely. I don't think this is one that um, people need to uh, turn the light on. But um, yeah, no, I think it was just it had me on edge a lot. And, you know, I was feeling the emotions they were feeling. So, you know, there are certain scenes where I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. What's going to happen next? And so I was just like on the edge of my seat, that kind of like fearful tenseness that I had. Tenseness? Yeah, yeah, tenseness, yeah. Tenseness. Sure. <laughs> tendinitis. <laughs> Intensity. You had tendinitis while watching this? <laughs> okay, look, Mac, I know that you never get scared about anything, but also you're a good Catholic boy who wants to have lots of babies. Please tell me something about this was frightening to you. 
Let's let's use analogies as we're as we're big fans of. Okay, so most, <laughs> it's been so long. It's been Please, so long. Bless so like, us. let's say most movies, right? That that feeling of fear that most people would fear is like it's kind of like waking up and realizing, oh my gosh, I have this huge like thing due today, and I've totally forgot about it until this moment, right? This movie, the tension, the fear, it's like going into work, and your boss looks angry, and they're like, "You and I are going to chat," and then you don't see them for the rest of the day. And the entire day, all you do is just like wait and and like overthink and and just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What are we going to talk about? I don't even know what it could be. Here's all the 20 bazillion things it probably is. And you go through each scenario in your mind. You're just like waiting for it to happen. Um, and that's like what you you feel through like an entire day. That's like this movie's level of, of, of fear and tension. I'm not so sure. <laughs> is this one that you guys think you'll ever see again? Yeah, specifically, I think I'm going to watch it right before A Quiet Place 2 comes out. Like maybe... Maybe before I go to watch it, like right before. That's intense. Yeah, back to back. All right. So I've decided that uh, we have Mac, who's never afraid of anything. And then we have me, who never wants to rewatch movies. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like the new rhetorical question for me. Um, I wouldn't not watch it, (laughs) but I'm not going to turn it off. What does that even mean? But I would. (laughs) I wouldn't rent it. But Mm. it has nothing. It's... it's, it has nothing to say about the movie with me saying that. Mm. But there is something, you know, once you know the story, there is a little something that gets spoiled from it, I think. Can I pose a question? Sure. What if you were in a hotel room with nothing to do when you turn on the TV and this is on? Oh, I'd totally watch it if it was on. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'd watch it if it was on. I'd, I'd, I'd be kind of a, if I was in a hotel room with cable TV, mm-hmm. rest in peace, um, and I had to, you know, do nothing else. I would be excited that this was on. Oh, nice. So there's that. Okay, so what we're going to need as we go through our episodes from now on, we're going to need qualifier statements. Uh, we're going to re- need to rephrase the question for both Mac and Ryan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you could call it the gladiator effect. I would uh, totally watch this again. I don't think it'd be something that, like, I'd go out of my way to. I, I feel like once you watch this and you know what happens, it's like one of those things that sticks with you just because it's such an emotional movie. So you know what happens, you know the twist. But I really, I mean, I found it really enjoyable watching it again. So if someone was like, "Hey, I've never seen this," well, yeah, let's pop it in. But I'm not like, "Hey, I need to watch this in the next like five months or something." Pop it in. What are you collecting DVDs? Was <laughs> <laughs> this 2005? Actually, I did when I was moving. Find uh, season one of True Blood. <laughs> I was like, "Yes." Ooh, Guess what you I'm better watching. sell that on eBay. Yeah. That's worth something. <laughs> I agree with Alexis, though. This is definitely the kind of movie you would want to watch again with somebody who hasn't seen it. But I also have a really powerful gift for forgetting things, especially when it comes to like twists <laughs> and endings in movies. So having not seen this since it came out in theaters, a lot of the twists, they got me again. And a lot of the jump scares got me again. So it was almost like I'd seen it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Paris, I feel like we need to do a uh, we need to do a horror remake of Fifty First Dates with you as Drew Barrymore. I am Drew Barrymore <laughs> in that movie for sure. My boyfriend says that all the time. This movie is is one that I can watch again, but oh my gosh, it has to be a long time because of just how emotionally taxing it is. This movie takes a lot. I, I don't know why I, I cried today. It was so stupid, um, but it, it's Aww. one that. It, it took a lot out of me. But the thing that brings me back to wanting to watch it again is how tragic, but also how successful the ending is. What do you guys think of it? There was an element of the ending that I was not pleased by just because I feel like it could have ended somewhat differently. But the very end scene, I was like, okay, I like this. I was satisfied. Overall, I was satisfied by the ending. I thought it was super satisfying. I love the ending. I think there's something really powerful to say um, at the end of this. And it reminds me of a few other movies I have watched that I thoroughly enjoy. I totally agree. I feel like I'm cool with the way this ended. And I think maybe some people wouldn't necessarily like it, depending on what kind of ending you like to a movie. I'm, I was pretty happy with it. Um, just be, I mean, I wasn't happy with it, but I was, I was okay with it because I think it, it really went with the type of movie this was like from start to finish. If this ended in a more maybe predictable way or something, it it wouldn't have been the movie that it was. So true. It was like getting to the last piece of a cake and you're like, gosh, this cake was so good and now it's gone. And that makes me sad, but I have to remember that it was a great cake. (laughs) It was a satisfying ending. And I mean, you know, it's, 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 it is sad, 
that it finishes, but it finished in a great way. It had it left a great taste. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it finished almost exactly the same way as signs, though. Let's just call that out as it is. Maybe more satisfying than signs, but almost exactly the same. There's a lot of origins of other movies in this. I will not say it copied anything, but there is. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Alien movies all in the same. All right, folks. Well, clearly there's a lot of high praise to go around for A Quiet Place, but let's see what that translates to in the actual scoring. Before we rate this movie, Alexis, how many people died? Four people have died in this movie. Rest in peace. Thank you for your sacrifice. And Rip. Ryan, what about the animal report? So... We do have an animal casualty, and there's a little bit of gray area depending on uh, how you define animals. Mm, interesting. <laughs> that sounds mm. real creepy, huh? It does sound creepy, but that's okay. We'll have to do some scientific studies and get back to you. Now, let's go ahead and get into the rating. Now, before we hear from the rest of our panel, I think since this is the rare sci-fi movie, we need to hear from the Superfly Space Guy himself first. Mac, yes. A Quiet Place. From 2018, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, and Friends. Was it a hacker or a slash? Slash. <laughs> Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This movie is amazing, and you should watch it if you're a fan of dramas or horror or sci-fi or, or John Krasinski mm-hmm. or Emily Blunt, or you just have good taste at all. You should watch this movie. Or you like deaf people. You should see the amazing deaf actress who is cast in this movie. Yeah. Nice. We should do a quick rapid fire round so we can all say slash at the same time. (laughs) In case I didn't give it away here. It's a slash for me. I really enjoy this film. There's so many things that I liked about it going in and then it lived up to everything I expected. And I'm so excited for the second one. I pray that it doesn't let us down because this one is so good. Um, I feel like this movie has a lot of roots from other movies that I like, um, mm-hmm. but also still original on its own. So I'm definitely going to have to give this a slash for sure. Wow. Yep, yep. I really liked it. It was super suspenseful. I mean, when I think about it, I, it kind of leaves me speechless. I've already compared this movie to Signs, which is a movie that I really liked. Um, it also has 100% less Mel Gibson and 100% more Emily Blunt. So I'm sold again <laughs> there. But I love how creative and original this movie was. I feel like its use of sound and silence was, again, really palpable as far as a watching experience goes. It's definitely a slash for me. This is a movie that you can watch many times. And like you, Ryan, I'm really excited for the second one. But after seeing The Boy 2 and the way they just decided to change all the rules that they'd established in the first one, I'm a little hesitant to get too excited. I would be so upset if this got done like the boy too. <laughs> Devastated. This movie is one big, oh fuck, moment right after the other. I never really valued senses as much as I probably should have, like just as like a functioning human being, right? And I lost a lot of uh, my hearing in the Navy, and, and that has like compelled me to like to feel more and connect more with movies that you sound and the absence thereof of um, manipulating your emotions and, and really plummeting you into the world that these characters live in. And it reminded me so much of the movie Hush that I know we've done on, on the show in the past. And that for that reason alone, it earns a slash. But the performances that drive it, the tension that's built in it, and despite the fact that it's all full of Midwest shit, um, it, 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 paints a, it paints the picture of a world that'd be terrifying, but also hauntingly beautiful in a very bizarre way. Uh, and and I'm, I also am looking forward to the sequel, which we will be reviewing on this show. So fret not, dear friends. But there you have it. A Quiet Place has earned a universal slash from five panelists now we do have a lot more to say about this film so check it out if you haven't seen it uh and if you have go ahead and move on over to the second half of the episode so we can talk about the good stuff we'll see you in a bit this episode is brought to you by
All right, welcome back. A Quiet Place from the year 2018, uh, now having an upcoming sequel, has earned a universal slash. Now, before we get into all the good stuff, before we talked about why we rated this movie the way we did, before we rant about how much we loved it, Alexis, the gore score? Pretty low, but there were some scenes that were kind of a little gruesome. Uh, the bathtub scene. With the mom. Let's talk about that. Um, and I'm sorry, I've never had a kid, clearly. But does blood come out like that? Only when there's something wrong. Oh, Yeah, it crap. depends on who you are. What's going on? Okay, because I was like, this don't look right. This doesn't look right. And then there's another scene with the nail in the foot. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God, that fucking nail. <laughs> Honestly, it was painted. How come no one saw that? Like, I didn't understand. So, so she pried the na- nail up. But let me just say this. A few weeks ago, I had a um, trash bag that I had a mm. like cork, like kind of bulletin push pin board in, and I had emptied it out, whatever. It was sitting on my floor, and I stepped over it and I stepped onto it. Oh. And at Target, they sell a pack of push pins that are totally metal and they're gold arrows straight in to the top of my foot. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Nope. I the, hate that. The Never. bottom of my foot, correction, but like the front part where like right beneath like that meaty part beneath the toes. That no. meaty bit. I never stepped on anything. It was a shocking pain, but it was also so difficult to get out because it hurt so much. <sighs> so I'm just saying, Emily Blunt, to be going into labor, stepping on stuff like that, ooh, can't do it. Are your are your toes okay? My toes are just fine, thank you. I just want to point <laughs> out just make it sure that the nail so Emily Blunt's pregnant during this scene, right? In a post-apocalyptic world, which is suboptimal. You know, you don't really want to bring new life into a place like this. Should have wrapped it up. But I felt like the nail penetrating her foot symbolized how John Krasinski penetrating her was what caused all of her pain and suffering. And that is not something that I believe at all, but I thought Chris would like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Ferris, but I will say, perks of being gay, I don't have to worry about accidentally getting pregnant in the, in the post-apocalyptic world, so... We had that that sucks so much. It was like a ticking time bomb. Feel sorry for you, chumps. The whole time I was looking at the calendar, like, <gasps> on the gore side, I do have to say, and everyone can get their glass up, these aliens were straight out of Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, totally. Get your, get a fist. Um, what? <laughs> sorry. Of what? A vodka. Okay. Or some, a fist. Like a fifth? Yeah. Oh, not a fist. <laughs> Make a fist and pour vodka into it and then slap your face with it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping. But I loved it. I loved how they had this like cool like look to them. They looked really neat, but they looked very much like uh, Stranger Things. But Totally agree. Did you guys like the uh, monster? Were you like a little dissatisfied? Because some people would think it would be rather simplistic. Oh, I was cool with it. Cool with it. I don't need like, I don't know. I don't need a lot out of my aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the further you go with them, it, it, you lose it. Like, I think you just need something creepy, hides in the shadows most of the time, um, and attacks you. That's all I really want. And I, I, I enjoyed these. I'm glad it wasn't a person in a suit, you know, yes. just another bipedal alien with long fingers and like weird eyes. Those are so boring. <laughs> it really was, would have been signs. Oh, it really would have been. So I'm, I'm happy they went the direction they did. I agree with you, Ryan. I feel like in my aliens, I don't require a lot, but one thing that is really helpful is like biological plausibility. So seeing the way that they moved and they were CGI. So seeing the way that they were animated seemed like these actually could be things that existed. Now I will say they also reminded me of like hamburger meat because they were all like cooked on the outside and like pink on the inside. Medium rare every- <laughs> aliens. Nice. But yeah, they were still pretty creepy and gross to me. They did the job. The aliens were actually super cool, and I do agree, Alexis, they definitely do look straight out of the uh, the creature design for the Demogorgons in Stranger Things, which, BT-dubs, just a PSA, that is not what a Demogorgon actually looks like in Dungeons & Dragons, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I really love the design of them and the impenetrable armor, but uh, the exposure of the layers underneath when they open up their face, it was actually really well done, and... It actually reminded me of something I would have loved to have seen in the in the uh, the Cloverfield uh, universe. Very Cloverfield, I feel that. Oh yeah, yeah. Y'all know I've never seen Cloverfield. That you're okay. What? I only okay, saw the good. first one. Mm, yeah, actually, I liked him. So the one with John Goodman, I think, was a better movie hmm. for sure. 
than the first. The first one, you could just ignore that it exists and be happier. I would lie and tell you that I'm going to watch it, but you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you, though, that, that the gore um, for the things that got stomped, right? So I'm thinking, like, uh, the raccoon. The blood yeah. splatter there was very um, unimaginative, and it, it looked super fake. So I wasn't a huge fan of that. I do feel bad for the little raccoon dying. Little trash panda. I'm excited for number two because I feel like it's going to be cannibals. Just saying. I'm throwing out my ideas right now. I know we're talking about the first one, but. All right. So making predictions. A Quiet Place 2. Alexis has her bets on cannibals. Got it. (laughs) <laughs> like the people that are left are gonna have to be yeah oh, okay. kind of like okay. uh like walking dead walking dead sort of was it terminus kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. oh i'm i'm watching walking dead right now and i'm not there yet oh Uh-oh. shit well just Ruining know that things. you have that to look forward to <laughs> you have like <laughs> we're on the path to terminus seasons. right now yeah i know yeah. when i assume we'll never get there i'm tapping out in like one more season so yeah just let it die really starting with you alexis how do you feel about the intensity of the kills in this movie they're very quick, but really emotionally jarring. Yeah, because you're not really expecting the, the, the first scene where it's like, you know, someone should have taken out the batteries of this toy <laughs> before they gave it to this Not kid. just left them on the table. Yeah, <laughs> for like him to grab and put them back in. Um, but yeah, no. So that one, it was just like, he's going behind. He's behind his sister who can't hear yeah, um, that's when you found out, and that was so cool. Yeah, and you're just like, what the heck? So you see it, everyone, and and it's. I think what makes it so tragic is that the family knows that they still need to stay silent. So you see the mom with her hand over her face and the dad running, and you can't really have those emotions and cry like you want to, because you're gonna like make some sort of noise. So and you just see him take like he's just taken, which I think is is nuts. Um, got and I think he got took. And I think that goes along with all the the rest of the kills. I mean, except for like the dad, but because he clearly makes a noise. But everyone's doing it for the betterment of someone else in this movie. It's never like sort of a selfish sort of kill or anything like that. Um, well, maybe the old people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was. I was just like, okay. It's like suiciding himself. Yeah. I mean, it just shows the deterioration of people. Yeah, and I'm assuming he had killed that old lady. Yeah. Part two, I'm telling you. <laughs> he ate her. I'm thinking all the, there's a bunch of people that got took away, but they're just like chilling in a camp with the aliens, the little monsters. Just kidding. It's mm. not a good <laughs> Plot twist. This is- <laughs> Stop. I would be pissed if that was the movie and like the sun is just like, it's hey, actually mom. just reporting us back to District 9. I did, I did like how it showed how like a superior being could take us out like nothing you know when you watch like like apex predators like going after their prey and it's just like one chomp and the thing's done mm, so you, just, okay. you don't stand a chance apex predator i want to see these aliens versus the girl from crawl they can't swim as fast as her that's for sure did you guys like how they had like a um weakness or did you think that was just like okay of course they do it's a movie it's typical I mean, Mars attacks. Those aliens had a weakness. Yeah. There's, that's always my favorite thing in a movie. Like, I never, and I don't know what it is, but I love watching a movie where the antagonist has some sort of weakness. Zombies. They yeah. have to have something. Well, they don't always have to. I feel like. That's true. I'll, I'll, I'll find one that doesn't. <laughs> but zombies, well, I guess everyone can just get shot in the head. Chris. Can I point out your favorite scene in this movie visually real quick? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, please. Can't wait for you, for you to do it. Let's do it. It's obviously when they turn the red warning lights on. Yes. It's I obviously you. actually not. Ooh. <laughs> That's a lie for the podcast. I won't believe no, you. No, it really isn't though. I did like the red lights, but it, it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't even close to my favorite. Who is this, Chris? Visually? All right. Well, I want my no. Old my favorite, back. my favorite <laughs> moment in this movie visually was when the kids are jumping out of the silo. Really? Yeah, I know. It was so simple and just so unassuming that like you have this moment where John Krasinski is like trying to rush towards them and try to like figure out where they are, and you just see these little creatures just hop out. And I think because the first time I saw it, I was wondering if we were kind of getting faked out and an alien was going to grab one of them. So my favorite scene is um, when they're at the river at the waterfall and they have that like moment of solitude and realize that 
all the noise around them is canceling them out for once and they can actually like kind of be human again for a second. I I just like enjoyed that was like one moment where you didn't feel um, impending doom consistently. Am I the only crazy one who really enjoyed the bathtub scene for how gruesome and horrible as it was? It was just it just showed the condition that they're living in and you felt what they would have to go through. Are you Alexis? You're not. Who are you people? You're not the only crazy one because I do think that moment shows how much restraint and strength she has to have and how she was this close. If that child had been any slower in lighting off those fireworks, she would have been done for. Yeah, that was a really impactful scene. I felt like that was like peak Emily Blunt, but a little bit later she kind of gets even more like into her own bad bitch mama bear mode. So, but yeah, that felt like a sort of emblematic scene as far as the movie goes. I remember that was really heavily shown in the trailers. Like, what do you do when you have to give labor in complete silence or you die? So that was really fun to watch. Also, shout out to their like emergency preparedness. Like they had Uh, the light system, fireworks, all kinds of these things where everybody knew like they didn't have to coordinate it, you know, because they're silent. They can't. But they all, you know, they had they had a plan for everything almost. They have everything except self-control to not procreate. I think it was on purpose, wasn't it? No, you can't be in a post-apocalyptic world, lose a child, and then still keep fucking and having babies. That was actually very shocking to you me. Have to. I was like, "Stop yeah, having you babies." You gotta keep the human race going, though. It's just you. Also, let's, you don't let's fix the problem and then bring yeah, the population they're not, back. They're not yet at the point where they have to keep the human race going because he's on top of that silo and he sees the fires being lit. He knows there are other people out there. That's why he's trying to keep having babies. I think they were both just like hot and like couldn't help themselves. And like, that's understandable. (laughs) (laughs) I really love the romantic scene where they were in the basement with the headphones and they were like dancing together to music only they could hear. I thought that was a really cute moment. On a completely other opposite end of the spectrum. I really liked when the, I think whatever the like silent room they had was or the soundproof room was flooding. And Uh. The point where I'm like, oh, yeah, these people, their weakness is like the sound or what, however that like mechanism works. But um, when he slides into the water, that's the most terrifying shit ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn, they can swim too. Like, <laughs> this is terrible. Like, that's, and then she slides into the water too. I was like, yeah, no, that, I mean, I get why she was doing that, but. I mean, it was just horrible. Like that that whole scene was extremely stressful. Extremely stressful. It was like their safe place is gone. Yeah. And you're like, really? Come on. This family was so prepared, done did everything right. And I have to admit, this is the first movie that I love because no one's doing really anything stupid except for their little teenager, which is fine. But because I could see that happening anyway. Alexis, I'm with you. That really stressed me out too. Because the one advantage that they had over these aliens is that they could see them. So then the alien just kind of switches it up and says, oh, well, I'm going to be under the water. And now you can't see me, but I can really hear what you're doing. So that was like, I feel like the most powerless we've ever felt in the movie. So that was very stressful to me as well. Yeah. And it was so dark too down there. And like the water looked like, ugh, ugh. it's giving it me heebie-jeebies now. Spooks. Just never look at a spider if you're in the shower or bathtub. If you see one, just look away immediately. Why? Because that's what you're going to think of every time from now. It's going to slide in the bath. Hey, man, in Georgia. Not the same. I was going to dry off after a shower and a brown recluse was on my towel. He's just trying to be friends. uh, You know, spider bros are spider bros, but not when I'm trying to dry off, homie. Just trying to say hi. Looking for a new place to hang out. It's just what that reminds me of. It's like just bugs. I will hire someone to come kill a bug. (laughs) Chris is no longer available. Yes. Mm. There's a pot that I had upside down because I was setting a plant on top of it and not in the planter. Don't ask me why. Mm. But resourceful. It's okay. It had been like that for like a few, like maybe six or seven months. Flipped it on the other side. So this huge ass thing with a big old butt on it. A cute butt? Like a lizard? Not a cute butt. A spider with a big butt. And I was like, that don't look good. That doesn't look safe. She was out here trying to repopulate the world too. (laughs) Then there was like a whole bunch of white things inside. I was like, oh, hell no. So I went and grabbed everything under my sink and poured it all in there. I was like, I feel so bad. I wish I would have just smushed it. Now it's like bleach, ant spray. Jesus Christ. Soap. Like (laughs) You you nuked that spider mama. I did. I was like, you're you're done, bitch. That moment when you realize that this movie is a commentary on how we are for the fucking spiders of the world. 
Man. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's too deep, Chris. I'm almost I'm almost <laughs> starting to feel bad about the num- amount of uh torture that spider went through with Alexis. Yeah. <laughs> and its babies. Jeez. I know. I lit them on fire. I uh threw it out of the house, you know. <laughs> stomped on it with the biggest boots I could find. Ugh, I wouldn't Gave even surgery, kept on. it alive, killed it again. <laughs> I've just seen those things where you step on something like that and then all the Spider, little baby spiders, like swarm out. Absolutely not. No, thank you. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm itching. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't help but think in this movie. Obviously, they have very sensitive hearing. Um, This family prepared as much as they could. But could you imagine if these creatures unknowingly, like unbeknownst to the people, could you imagine if they actually actually also hunted by the smell of blood? She would have been so fucked. There wouldn't have been a movie. It's like Jaws in... On the land, all women would be dead very, very fast. One month, all dead. Yeah, just a clean sweep. <laughs> Minus the ones in menopause. <laughs> <laughs> what if they could smell like human pheromones? I've heard that that's p- complete baloney. Yeah. When humans, yeah. I'm not uh, sure. What I'm if not, they could just smell sweat? I'm not making a statement here. There you go. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be sitting over here with my heavy use of any perspirants and all the metal that's inside there. Just scot free, dude. One one sweaty handshake. I'm out of here. Gross. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting. I do have a question for you all. Do you think in this world where you had to be silent, do you think you could have survived? Mm, no, no. <laughs> I think Not I could have actually. I like to spend a lot of my free time alone in absolute silence. Uh, so I feel like it's not that hard, especially especially having seen this movie. You kind of get a lot of the tips like, hey, make walkways out of sand and then play board games with little felt pieces. And especially you. if you're alone, I feel like it's much easier because you don't have like a bunch of kids fucking things up. <laughs> See, I would only ever be able to do it if I had a family to keep alive, I think. Maybe yeah, like okay. well, this is oh. also coming from the woman who, on her debut episode of Fur Train to Busan, said, "I don't want to live in a zombie apocalypse. Just take me yeah, out." Yeah, I think same thing. <laughs> Only if I had people to live for. I think I'd make it about ten minutes before I made some dumb noise with my mouth, or just like turn the wrong way and like your neck cracked and you're like, "Fuck, <laughs> how?" Literally, be, I would bend down to get the sand to make the walkways, and my knees would snap, crackle, pop, and it'd be game over. <laughs> my ankles do crack quite a bit, but. I think I'm very lucky in that my sisters and well, actually, I guess all my siblings scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. And I've learned to react very silently to things. Like if you guys have ever seen me get scared, I don't actually make any audible noises, which is why I'm particularly good at going through haunted houses. Because when the scare actors come out, even if they did get me, they have no idea they got me. So I'm safe. <laughs> oh, man. We're so different here. I, I, I can't not talk to them. So I'm definitely going to be like, oh, the, hey, hey, aliens. <laughs> hey, my guy. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's sound. Okay. I'm, I would be the reason we figured out that it was sound. It's 100% true. You'd be over there trying to tell some fucking shitty joke to the alien. <laughs> All of a sudden, Ryan's gone. <laughs> Oh, hey, guys, you shouldn't make sound anymore. That's how we lost Ryan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Remember that time aliens showed up and all she did was talk to them? <laughs> I mean, who would think, you know? Right. What if What if their weakness is a good joke? I have to be <laughs> the one to figure it out. Can you just make a spoof movie where their weakness is dad jokes? Chris is losing it. <laughs> I want to take a little moment to highlight all of the little ambient scenes that had Emily Blunt being like the homemaker to end all homemakers. Like at one point she cooks a fish in the floorboards. Oh my God, that was amazing. And then she's just like gardening inside the walls. And I'm like, what was Emily Blunt doing before this all happened? Was she just a swamp witch? Like where did she get these (laughs) skills? They were super crafty. Were they farmers or did they stumble upon a farmhouse? I guess we'll find out in a quiet place too. No, I think they ended up making their base in a farmhouse that was near their their actual house. Because at one point she goes back to like what was their child's room, which I think was a different mm-hmm. house, no? Mm, yeah, I just didn't know, like, well, I guess, so this whole thing starts on day 89, so I guess it doesn't make sense that they would have set up a child's room in a random-ass house, so, yeah, okay, convinced. Also, can I just say, I love the lack of backstory here, like, yeah, I yes. hate, I hate a poorly explained or or 
an alien story that doesn't make any sense. Because if you tell me an alien story that makes no sense, I'm just going to sit there the whole time and be like, all right, this is baloney. But um, no context is perfect. And I'm sure it pissed people off. But I don't need to know why they're there. And I kind of hope they stay kind of away from it in the second half or the second part. I think we're going to get some backstory from the trailer. I know, but I want very little. Like, I just don't want them to go down a rabbit hole. Because if it's not a good story, it's going to ruin both movies. Okay. So you want to see how it all started, but not know how it started? Like you want to see the immediate result of it? Not too much detail. Not necessarily. There's two things that mess up a movie like this. And this is like a zombie movie, a sci-fi movie, these types of things. And it's either a backstory that doesn't make any sense of how it got started or how it ends that doesn't make any sense. Right. And so I'd, I'd like to keep away from a lot of detail in either of those in case it might just like ruin the whole thing. I'm with you, Ryan. I feel like this movie, one thing that this movie did really well was how so much of it was told outside of what we actually saw. Like we were kind of thrown into it. Like this is established. These are the things that we've already figured out. You guys are now joining us. Welcome. Um, And I feel like if they go into too much detail or over explain a lot of that, it kind of loses the impact that the first movie had. It also, didn't assume that we were idiots as audience members. It was like, they'll fill in the blanks because the audience is smart. And I felt really empowered by that choice that they made. And I respected that. Paris, you said that. And I immediately just imagined in my head, a American sign language version of MTV cribs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? Dude, I'm in. Yeah. Just like, Obviously, I don't know any sign language. I don't understand it. Uh, but just like, hey, welcome to my crib. We cook fish in the floorboards. Oh, we got these red lights. I heard you like darkness, so we got darkness. I heard you don't want to make sound, so we soundproofed your basement. We soundproofed our baby. I think you're combining. I think you're combining uh, MTV cribs and uh, pimp my ride. Yeah, hundred percent. That's okay. Pimp my crib. Pimp my post-apocalyptic shelter. Yeah, there you go. The crossover we didn't know we needed. My favorite part of this movie or what i would say is definitively the best element of all this is how they play and don't play with sound starting with the way the sound drops out we found out early on that reagan is deaf and it's because when she's walking through the store you can hear the little touches you can hear the footsteps and the shuffling But as soon as the camera is from her perspective, everything drops out. And that's before, you know, her little brother Bo even dies. And I absolutely love that. But what I love even more with that is the way the score swells. As soon as he steps out, like he grabs those batteries, he steps out of that store with that rocket ship, and you know what's about to happen. And it's just, oh, it's it's, it's heart-wrenching. Yeah, that that was a lot to, you know, it was like seeing that train just crash slowly and wishing you could help. You know, it's like watching a child about to fall and the dad doesn't have the dad reaction time. Does anyone get that reference where, you know, the kid's about to fall down and the dad's like somehow like secretly know to pick them up in the right (laughs) way. It's like watching that happen. The dad just lets them fall down. It's just like, you want to stop it. You want someone to stop it, but you can't. And it's unfair. And it's really harsh because like there, you know, the rest of this movie, you're going to have to live with that trauma right up front. That, that was a that was that was a tough scene. It was also one of the best scenes. Um, Chris, to, to add on to what you were talking about about the daughter and how they tried to convey what her perspective of this all was like, being somebody who could not hear what was going on. Um, I coincidentally had recently watched a YouTube video where John Krasinski breaks down the scene where they're playing a board game and they accidentally knock over the lantern, um, and he said that it was a very deliberate choice to pull out all of the sound during the shots that were from the daughter's perspective to really give the audience member an additional angle to view the movie at. Um, and I think that added a really nice layer to the experience overall. Absolutely. I think what's really cool about that is that it just adds on to this tension, right? Like she already feels so much guilt and then she already feels so different from the rest of her family. Suddenly they have to live in the world that she has lived in this whole entire time. And even little things like when he's taking his son to the river and she wants to go and he won't let her. Man, I felt that. I remember my dad used to take my brothers to base, uh, to basketball games. It wouldn't let me come. Like it's like a very small thing that 
you take this everyday moment and put it into this post-apocalyptic world and it's insane the way they pull it off and build tension there yeah i mean i think that's what makes this movie incredible and like the way that they use the different characteristics of the daughter and made us think about it like it that really is one of the the vital elements of this movie and i think one of the reasons we all give it a slash oh i loved how this movie used like the idea of like a loaded gun or like a like a time bomb but in a way that was so obvious and telling but was still somehow impactful i actually made a little list while i was watching it like the rocket ship at the beginning the dad working on the hearing aids that was like the big overall one because that ended up coming in clutch at the end the baby being on the way the nail in the stairs the water flooding and slowly going to fill up that basement that they'd created their little shelter and then the specifically the tension with the father and the daughter that was something that was like really set up at the beginning and then culminated in what was in my opinion john krasinski's worst idea for the whole movie um, I don't think he needed to die at the end there. I think there were a few other ways we could have handled that. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I love, it was symbolic and impactful because he was like, I love you. I've always loved you. And now I'm going to die for you. But it was like, well, Emily Blunt's going to do this all on her own because you can't come up with a better idea, John. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that he had any other choice. Throw he, a rock. I don't know. He was wounded <laughs> and his kids were in that truck about to die. I don't know, mm. man. I feel like, I feel like sure. It would have been nice had he done literally anything else, but I don't think there was really an, a realistic opportunity for him to do anything but die. I mean, at least run. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm so happy with the, unhappy ending like I, I just think it's perfect for this movie as i was saying earlier like it it really is again like it's one of the things where if it didn't have this it wouldn't be this movie we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about it the same way i think maybe he's like harrison ford and he just wanted his character to die i feel like when i watched this movie the first time and was watching it the second time i didn't remember that he died at all i was like oh Ooh, wait he dies in this so that sucks for you for me it wasn't that memorable <laughs> or like important that he did die it wasn't like significant to the story that he died in it because it was like something that was so like in the last 10 minutes of the movie um but then it happened and i was like oh yeah he dies and now it's just the rest of the family carrying this on yeah i had thought uh well it's funny because i knew he died i just thought he died way earlier like in the beginning <laughs> oh wow <laughs> are any of you uh stressed out about us not having jim in the second the sequel no because we have killian murphy in the sequel Oh, yeah. But is it Jim? It's not the same. It doesn't have to be Jim. It's 28 days later in a, in a human. I'm honestly okay with Jim not being in it. Really? Like, not, not that like, I like John Krasinski. Don't get me wrong. Um, I didn't totally dislike him in this movie either. But I think just the rift between him and the daughter. And I was just like, nah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, there's something, there's something about it that, like, his character was just cold enough, despite having so many feelings, despite having this great burden put upon him, despite the incredible amount of work he did just to be able to help his daughter here again. Besides all those things, like there was something about him that was d just detached enough where I wasn't totally devastated when he died. I feel like mm. it was a nice redeeming moment for me versus a, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I totally disagree. Really? I mean, I was at least mad that he died because he was hot. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the corn scene? Because this whole movie was so believable and realistic, and then they fell into a silo and started drowning in corn? That apparently is a thing that actually happens. Is it? Have you been yeah. in a corn silo before, dude? Come on. Have you? <laughs> no, but it seems it seems uh it seems drownable. Yeah. I feel like we seem... could have found a different way to to have okay. the brother and sister come together than drowning in corn. Have you been in a ball pit <laughs> yeah. where you yep. just sink and you can't really get out? It's like that, but uh, like magnified. But with corn. So here's the thing. I was <laughs> right. recently watching an episode of 911 Lone Star and this very same situation happened where a grown ass man falls into this corn silo. And if you stay still, you're probably not going to shift down as much. But yes. if corn is draining from the bottom, you actually get sucked. And because of all the pressure that's in that silo, you can get crushed and suffocated. I think if you tried to lay flat on the top of it, that would be your best bet of living. That's just mm -hmm. my yeah. obscure Hence guess from a podcaster. <laughs> 
that doesn't do anything with corn silos. You're pretty scientific. <laughs> yeah, sound like I guess it. that's just something I didn't know about corn. Because it, it's because <laughs> it's quite frankly some Midwest shit, good sir. Very much so. So many f- corn facts you're missing out on, Paris. I guess I was just like, uh, is this real? I I felt like I was I was on crazy pills at that point. I was like, am I the only one that doesn't think you can drown in corn? <laughs> <laughs> You could probably drown in a lot of things. Just saying. The only other thing I want to bring up is the way this movie used heartbeat. I guess like a plot device. Because when you cut to the daughter and she's deaf, you can really hear the way she hears her own heartbeat. Um, and then there's a scene where Emily Blunt's listening to her pregnant belly with a stethoscope and you hear the baby's heartbeat. And it was just like a recurring theme throughout the movie that kind of added to the immersion of it which I think was really successful on this movie's part. I felt like I was really there with them and I needed to be as quiet as possible in order for all of us to survive. Well, hold on. Cause now this raises questions. If their hearing is that sensitive, how do they not pick up on the heartbeats? Oops. Mm. We just broke this movie. <laughs> I mean like, <laughs> I like, okay, I guess they can't hear like the shuffling of the sand, but I imagine that's because it's like, all those things that are happening in nature, right? So like all the birds chirping, all the animals crawling on things, all those little sounds kind of create a soundscape by which like normal footsteps don't matter. But when they're in the house and everything is totally still and her heart is racing, I feel like they should have been able to hear that. But your heart doesn't audibly beat out loud. <laughs> right. But these are also fucking aliens who can hear you anything have to put your miles ear up away. To they would have to stick their ear up to her chest. Yeah, like when you're cuddling and you... Yeah, 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 exactly. Look, if it had been a long day and they were laying in bed cuddling, resting their head on her bosom, they would be able to detect the heartbeat. But I think from that distance... all right. So in A Quiet Place 2, I'm going to need to see some alien heads on bosoms. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That'll really sell it. All right, folks, we've had plenty of good things to say about this movie, but I'm feeling like Mac probably has some good things to teach us. Maybe. Maybe some good things. Let's go into some facts or some fictions. You'll be the the judge. No, I'll be the judge. You're more like the people in the courtroom that I'm judging. Anyway, number one, John Krasinski was born in between the releases of Halloween and Halloween 2. What? A fact. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. 1978. 1981. Fiction. I don't know how old he is, really. I'm going to say Fiction. I'm going fiction. I'm going back. I'm going to say fact. Okay, so when was Halloween 1 released? 1978. And when was Halloween 2 released? 1981. Guess what? He was born in October of 79. Really? I thought he was at least 82 or 83. Does that make him a Scorpio? Okay, another one then. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski have two, two children, rather, named after flowers. True. I mean, fact. Fact. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'm going to go fact here. I'm also going to say fact, because that sounds very on-brand for Emily Blunt. Right? Well, they do have two children. But they're not named after... They're named after plants, not flowers, or herbs. Their names are Hazel and Violet. Oh, God. So one is, and one isn't. (laughs) Which Hazel is definitely a plant. Which Hazel is a plant? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number three, then. It's the Mac No half-truths here, Mac. Fine, fine. I'll give you a full truth. John Krasinski is a fan of the best baseball team on Earth. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a subjective question. <laughs> no, this is a this is an objective fact. This What's is the team? The team, you might ask, is the Boston Red Sox. I'm gonna fact. say fiction. Fact. I'm gonna say this question's homophobic uh, and what? fiction. <laughs> well, Chris is here to prove you wrong. So two facts <laughs> in my statement. First of all, he's a fan of the Red Sox, and second of all, they are the best team on earth. Oh Jesus! No, they're okay, not. No. Save us. Okay, listen here, you yep. with your fucking half truths. This doesn't count. <laughs> Continue. Okay, fine. Another one. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski went on a honeymoon vacation to a remote cabin in Norway. False or fact? <laughs> I keep. I mean, fiction. Have you heard the name of the segment, Alexis? <laughs> it's called Factor Fiction. Fiction. <laughs> I'm going to say fiction, but also we're getting real personal with them. Yeah, what's, why are you so obsessed with Jim? We got real intimate with him in this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go fact. I'll just say fact, too. Paris, you're just stealing all my answers. Okay, so we're, unrelated, where do you think they got married? What? Where do Alaska. You think they would Alaska. Antarctica. Italy, homie. LA. Okay. But they did not go to a remote cabin in Norway for their honeymoon. They went scuba diving and they swam with some sharks. All right. 
Okay. Is there one. movie yes. factor fiction? Do you, do you want another one? Okay, here's 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 another one, just in case. Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Emily Blunt stuttered as a child, but overcame it at age 12. Fact, she's British. It's hard to talk like that. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> you know, I do have a long-standing theory that a British accent is just because they don't know how to talk. Wow. Their mouths don't work right. I'm going to just back up Ryan in Paris and say fact. Okay, it is a fact. Uh, acting and adopting new accents helped her, and she actually credits a school teacher for uh, getting her all the way there. This is E News with Mac. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So first of all, first of all, they say things in a more correct way. We're like one of the only people on this planet that uses the hard R. Yeah, there's some mush mouth going on, though. I'll stand by it. Uh, Peppa Pig, homie. Peppa Pig. And with that... <laughs> None of us have kids. Well, thank you, Mac, for that rousing round of getting to know them way more intimately than we ever should have. Uh, but there we have it, folks. Uh, they have a rock-solid marriage and rock-solid cool lives, and that translated into a really solid movie. Uh, a Quiet Place from 2018 has earned a universal slash from all five of us. All right, folks, well, I think that does it for this week. We've had a lot of great things to say about A Quiet Place. Now, although I, I, do, I do have questions, and I'm curious to see how this goes in A Quiet Place 2 in just a few short weeks, but we also want to know what you think of this movie. Uh, while it is fun to discuss here among friends, your voice is what matters, too. So keep in mind there are plenty of ways you can reach out to us via our website, www.hackerslash.com. And through our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can also hit us up at the Hacker Slash hotline. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail or an audio message. Our number is 757-606-0128. Or if you're in a quiet place, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. We highly discourage you from using any mechanical keyboards to type that email. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.